0: Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Door, a weekly broadcast that examines what Lutheran Christians believe about God, the world, and us. I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and I invite you to join us for the next hour. And later, we will take questions at 740-383-9944, that's 740-383-WWGH, or on Facebook at the Wittenberg Door, where you can submit your questions live. Please join us now on the Wittenberg Door. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm Pastor Brett Cornelius of Gethsemane Lutheran Church, and uh, with me as always today is my friend and cohort, Alan Dean. Uh, Uh, Alan, welcome. mm -hmm. And uh, and we have... uh, Scott Spears flying the flying this machine for us on this hour, so thank you for being with us, Scott. Thank you for helping us, uh, folks. We're going to go over some news today as we usually do, and then we're going to talk about the upcoming lessons for Sunday. Uh, this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and so uh, we're going to do that and take your calls. Uh, If you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 383-740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. Okay, very good. Alan, what do we have for uh, uh, our story today? Uh, Today's story is about um,
1: uh, Fox News, um, Gretchen Carlson, And her article is, Allah is not good. And this is from uh, Mediate.com. Yeah. So it starts out with the release of 103 documents from Osama bin Laden's compound. Came insight as to how the deceased Al-Qaeda lived in his life in Pakistani home until Navy SEALs raided it in 2011. For Fox For Fox's Gretchen Carlson, one detail was particularly sickening: that Bin Laden praised Allah. Giving her mid-show take on the Bin Laden documents, Carlson noted the oddity of Al Qaeda's recruitment form, looking like a normal job application except with questions like, "Are any of your relatives in the jihad theater?" "Do you do you wish to execute a suicide operation?" And who should we contact if you become a martyr? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> That's funny. Um, However, she said, the most sickening part is the last line. Praise Allah, Lord of all worlds. Carlson's take, no, not really at all. It seems as though the fox host, a devout Christian, was suggesting that the God, their God is not our God, which underscores a long-standing debate among religious scholars. Do Christians... Jews and Muslims worship the same God. All three descended from Abraham in the same monotheistic faith. As Pope John Paul II said to a crowd of Muslims in 1985, we believe in the same God, the one God, the living God, the God who created the world and brings his creatures to their perfection. We know where Carlson stands on that. And... Unfortunately, it's a video, but um, in her words, it says, Back to Osama bin Laden, because it's time for my take. As we continue to sift through the 103 documents released today from his compound, it's fascinating to see how the Al-Qaeda leader was living his life in Pakistani compound when he was reading and watching his relationship with his wives and children. One weird thing stands out with regard to the Al-Qaeda recruitment. It turns out Al-Qaeda recruitment form looks like any other job application. Question like, what was your previous occupation? Have you been in jail or prison? Do you have any chronic or hereditary diseases? Then it gets more (laughs) Al-Qaeda-ish. Are any of your relatives in a jihad theater? Do you wish to execute a suicide operation? And who should we contact if you become a martyr? And of course, she says the most sickening part is the last line: "Praise Allah, Lord of all worlds." Nope, not really at all. Okay, so that's Gretchen
0: Carlson's yeah. take. Well, uh, of course, Mediate is a uh, kind of a left, new, left-wing uh, news, uh, kind of a, a watchdog of the watchdog. There, uh, the several other organizations are like that that kind of watch what the new what's happening in the news and. Uh, look for biases and try to, try to uh, steer people back from those biases. Uh, of course, um, uh, the issue that they bring up is very relevant for Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let's assume that Gretchen Carlson, who's a Fox News commentator, did mean to say that Allah is not our God. Uh, and the question I would ask is, why is that controversial? Why does that seem controversial to people that Muslims and Christians worship a different God? Uh, Well, you know, I think what's most of concern to people these days is peaceful relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, they want everybody to get along. And that's uh, certainly a a good goal, wanting people to get along. Uh, But does the goal of getting along... Um, does it justify uh, kind of the uh, putting down of a confession that a Christian might make? For instance, when a Christian confesses that Allah is is not the same God as uh, the God of the Old Testament, um, uh, should they be condemned for that, or should their opinion be allowed to be expressed? Now, of course, this Mediate organization, they're not they're not uh, saying that it shouldn't be allowed to be expressed, uh, but they they are kind of getting on her about this. You know, they're they're uh, giving her some heat for this. Well, uh, what's the issue here? Uh, by the way, to be fair, Gretchen Carlson uh, did issue a, mm-hmm. not a retraction. Uh, uh, she didn't a clarification. A clarification that she was she was not saying that. Uh, that Allah isn't God, but she's saying that uh, that the way he was praising Allah uh, for you know destruction of of uh, of, of the world of Christianity, uh, she was saying that was what she was criticizing. Well, whether she was or not, right? The question becomes: uh, Is it okay for Christians to confess that Allah is not God? What, what do you say about that Alan well they
1: should I think if they're Christians yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean
0: uh now we know the Pope here for instance came forward and and the Pope is is also a person who's very interested in peaceful relationships uh, we know the Pope has um, has uh on several occasions uh, gone to a mosque and prayed with uh prayed with the um, uh, imams and the leaders of the mosques. And of course, uh, you know, there are some Christians that can tolerate that. Uh, we, in our denomination, we believe that it's, uh, uh, that it's a, a form of um, idolatry that it's a it's a it's a confusion of creeds uh the technical term that we use for it is syncretism and that is where you take two different beliefs and you try to blend those two different beliefs Mm -hmm. Uh, so the fundamental question is is Allah God now it's interesting that this is one of the fundamental challenges of ancient Israel Uh, Ancient Israel, of course, was uh, given the law by Moses and uh, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. And ancient Israel was surrounded by pagan neighbors. They were surrounded by people who were uh, confessing different gods, the Baals and the Asherah. And the Baal in Baal in particular was a kind of an interesting entity among all the nations uh, Baal was worshipped as kind of this universal god that he was uh, uh, among all the other different local deities you might have uh, Baal was uh, in in ancient times uh, Baal was worshipped in, in Babylon, Baal mm-hmm. was worshipped by all the Canaanite neighbors of Israel uh, he worshipped in Syria, worshipped in even uh, you know in parts of Arabia so it was kind of this Uh, overarching God that all the nations could worship. And that's how it was presented to ancient Israel. And many times in ancient Israel, uh, the people of Israel would forsake the worship of the one true God, Yahweh, uh, and they would uh, begin to worship Baal because the argument was that Baal was just another name for Yahweh. Mm Mm-hmm right and uh and when when we hear people talk about you know religions and and how religions interact with each other, uh one of the arguments you hear is what uh well, whether you call God Allah or you call God uh Jesus or you call God uh Jehovah or whatever you know all these different religions really are worshiping one true God, mm-hmm. but they're just calling him by different names, and that was. That was the uh, challenge presented to ancient Israel. The, their pagan neighbors would say, look, Baal and Yahweh are really the same God. Mm-hmm. We're just worshiping him with different names. And so if you worship Baal, and, and uh, uh, you're, you're really not violating uh, uh, the tenets of your religion because uh, Baal and Yahweh are really the same God, just worshiped with different names. Uh, you know, even uh, by the way, Aaron at, at Mount Sinai, after the law is given, he uh, Moses goes up on the mountain to, to get further instructions from God, and uh, during that time, the people of Israel don't know where Moses has gone and they ask Isra- they ask Aaron, they come to Aaron and they, they, uh, they tell him, you know we don't know what's happened to this Moses, and uh, we want you to- we want another God to lead us." And he builds the golden calf. And uh, Aaron, at the time, he builds the golden calf. And then he says to them, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. And then, then he says, tomorrow will be a feast day to the Lord. Tomorrow will be a feast day to Yahweh. And so you have this, this, this confluence of this golden calf and this pronunci, this pronouncement that that tomorrow will be a feast day to the Lord Yahweh, the one true God, uh, and it was a again, it was a blending of uh, a different face. Mm-hmm. And of course, when Moses comes down, he he, uh, he 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 rebukes Aaron and he rebukes the people of Israel for their idolatry. So it, it happens over over and over again in ancient Israel. That uh, Baal is one of their one of their challenges uh, uh, in their faithfulness to the one true God. And this is what's, uh, this is what's crucial here. because is it right to say, well, you may call God, you know Jesus, you may call him Yahweh, you may call him Jehovah, you may call him uh, Allah. it doesn't really matter what you call him. And does it matter what we call him? Does it matter whether we call God Allah or uh, whether we refer to God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, sure it does. It absolutely does. Because uh, one of the things we see in Scripture is that when you name something, you really are declaring authority over that thing. You know, the, when, when something is named, something is revealed. Uh, and we don't see this as much in our culture because in our culture, names really don't matter. People name their children, uh, just they like the sound of a certain name or maybe because they have an ancestor by that name or somebody that they wish to honor by naming their child after them. Um, There's uh, there's no real meaning to the name, but when you look in Scripture, you see that when somebody is named, it's for a reason. There's there's a meaning to that name. When right. when Esau is born, uh, he's red and hairy all over, and they call him red. Esau means red. And when Jacob is born, he's grabbing onto the ankle of Esau, and they call him grappler. They call him wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob means wrestler or grappler. And um, so the, the the names mean something. Uh, Isaac, when Isaac is born, uh his name, Isaac, in Hebrew means laughter because his parents laughed when God promised them that they would have a son by Sarah. So there's there's that issue that the name reveals something about the person. And when God reveals his own name, when he says that his name is Yahweh in the Old Testament, uh, it, it means uh, I am who I am or I am that I am. Uh, In other words, um, uh, he is the God who is, and there is no other. And that's what the name Yahweh meant. That's what the name Jehovah meant. Mm -hmm. So the name means something. Now, here's the other issue, that when you name something, you claim authority over that thing. Mm -hmm. And we see this especially in, in the deportation to Babylon when Daniel and his friends, Ashael and Mishael, uh, I forget the third one. Anyway, they're deported, uh, and they're they're part of the royal family, and they're taken to Babylon, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon makes them his advisors, which was quite um, uh, customary in ancient times when a, one kingdom would conquer another. The royal family of that kingdom that was conquered would become um, part of the king's court, uh, mm-hmm. they were they were preserved. But what what Nebuchadnezzar does in that instance is he takes Daniel and he renames him Belteshazzar. He names him after his god, Bel, Baal, again. Uh, and he names it uh, names the three companions Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gives them Babylonian names. He gives them those names because he has authority over them. Right? So there's these two things. First, the name reveals something about the person. And second, the name, the namer, has authority over the named. Right. So why does it matter whether we call God Yahweh or we call God uh, Allah, uh, whether we refer to God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because when you give a name to something, you're revealing something about that person. And so for us to say that we could call God anything is just scripturally, uh, it's unjustifiable. There's there's no way that we can, without offense to God, rename God. So God reveals himself. He reveals himself to Moses, uh As as uh, as as Yahweh, Mm -hmm. and then in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Christ, in Matthew twenty-eight, we see something very interesting happening. Jesus comes to his disciples, and he says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, the one singular name of the Father and of the Son." and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That is that one name that is shared by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that that verse in itself establishes the doctrine of the Trinity. Correct. Uh, we say, what is the Trinity? The Trinity is one God in three persons. And in that one verse, we see this, this concept of one God. Uh, Uh, and and of course in the old testament who is called yahweh but we also see the plurality of persons within that one god the father the son and the holy spirit three distinct persons in one divine essence one name that they all share uh there's there's uh, you know the father is lord uh, the son is lord the holy spirit is lord in a couple weeks we're going to be doing um uh trinity sunday And we we say the Athanasian Creed on on Trinity Sunday. And uh, so in the Athanasian Creed, it says the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And yet there are not three gods or three lords, but one God and one Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? So when we refer to the Trinity, and when we refer to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're saying something specific about God. We're seeing that there's one God in three persons, and that there is no other God, but that one God. So when we, when we take God and we change the name of God to Allah, what we're really doing, is redefining. we're redefining God. That's right, and <laughs> and, and we're denying the um, uh, uh, the importance of the name that God of, of the things that God reveals about Himself. So, And we have no authority to do that because we don't have authority over God. We don't have the right to name God. Now, Now, here's something else, and this is from the words of Jesus directly. Jesus says in Matthew, and this is in chapter 11, in verse 27, he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. In other words, whoever the Son wants to reveal Him. In other words, what Christ is telling us here is He is the one who reveals who God is. Right he is the one who reveals who the father is and no one knows the father no one knows god except through the son jesus christ and so therefore whoever denies that the son is uh, is god um or whoever whoever denies that you can know the father apart from the son of god um is 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 teaching false things about God. Correct. Here's another one. And this is in John chapter five. And Jesus says in John chapter five, for not even the father, this is uh, starting in verse 22, for not even the father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the son in order that all may honor the son, even as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Mm -hmm. In other words, Those who refuse to give the same honor to the Son as they give to the Father are not honoring, they're not worshiping the Father Uh, because you can't worship the Father apart from the Son. You can't divide God. You can't take this one true God, uh, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who share the one divine name and begin to divide them and to say, I'm going to worship the father, but I'm not going to worship the son. And this is specifically what Islam does. It says you must worship the one person of the father without worshiping the person of the son or the person of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that Islam claims is that God doesn't have a son. Right. Right. And if God doesn't have a son, then the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is revealed in the Christian scriptures, cannot be God. And not only can he not be God, but he must be a deceiver. Right. And, of course, uh, the, what, the, what the Muslims will say, uh, some Muslims will say, that it wasn't Jesus himself who claimed to be God, but it was his followers afterwards who perverted the doctrine of Jesus. Uh, well... You know we can't know Christ apart from those whom He chose, those who He brought with Him, and those who announced His word afterwards. Those whom He sent out into the world to be His witnesses, and and to witness of the resurrection, <coughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and to and to reveal who He is, as we'll see in our lessons today. Uh, so, what we can say from the Christian script? There's many more, of course, that we could we could go over. Mm-hmm. Is that Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God. And any attempt to say that Christians and and, and Muslims, or even we could say the same thing of the Jews, Christians and Jews worship the same God, any attempt uh, at a kind of a blending of those religions, uh, what we call syncretism, is is, uh, contrary to Christianity. Correct. Now, having said that, uh, can we get along with Muslims, Alan? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, we live in a we live in a world uh, that is that is not ruled by Christianity. We live in a uh, we live in a world where there's uh, we live in a country specifically where there's freedom of religion. Uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution is uh, is that the government won't establish any particular religion. That means that anyone can come here and be a good American. Anyone, a Jew, a, a Muslim, a, a Hindu, they can come and they can be part of this country. And we can even, uh, uh, in that sense, uh, Christians and Muslims can and should work together. Uh, Christians and Jews, Christians and Hindus can and should work together as citizens of the, country, of, uh, of the same nation uh, in order to uh, have a better country, correct? Right? Yeah, we can work together. What is called this uh, left hand kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, and in ancient times it was unheard of that uh, that the religion of the kingdom uh, that, that that there wouldn't be a religion of the kingdom, and that's what all the holy wars in the past were fought over. They were fought over what religion would be. The religion of the kingdom and everyone had to worship in the same way but in our country it's not that way we haven't established a religion here and so we can and should get along with our muslim neighbors our Jew, jewish neighbors our hindu neighbors uh we can and good, should get along with them because we're to love our neighbor right and we're to pray for those even who persecute us we're to even pray for members of al-qaeda uh, we're we're to pray that they would be, their eyes would be opened, and that they would turn from their blindness, and that they would uh, come to, come to know the one true God, in Christ Jesus, and uh, which we also pray for Jews and for Muslims mm-hmm. that they would come to know the one true God, right, and uh, believe and be saved as as God promises. Okay, very good. <clears throat> well, folks, if you have any questions or comments. I'll remind you of our a uh, uh, number here again is 740-383-9944. That's 383-WWGH. Give us a call. We'd be happy to take any questions or comments that you have. Uh, and what we're going to do now is move along. Uh, we've looked back to what the news in the past week has been. And we're going to look ahead now to the uh, upcoming Sunday at Gethsemane Lutheran Church. We have... Uh, uh, lessons uh, that are prescribed for each Sunday. This Sunday happens to be Pentecost Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pentecost is um, is uh, the word itself. Pentecost means uh, 50 or uh, 50 days after uh, we're, we're speaking in, in reference to 50 days after Easter in uh, ancient Israel. That was uh, 50 days after Passover and Passover and Easter. Uh, most of the time they coincide. Uh, and at least thematically, they coincide with each other. And so uh, this coming Sunday is, is the 50 days, and it commemorates for Christians, it commemorates especially the giving of the Spirit. So, uh, Alan, would you read, uh, read our Old Testament lesson for us? Mm-hmm.
1: The Old Testament reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there and over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, isn't it
0: interesting that we were just having this discussion about the naming of mm-hmm. things uh, and uh, the naming of things that kind of establishes authority over something? And here in this Old Testament lesson, we find uh, a, this uh, body of people. The whole earth at this point uh, proposes the idea. Let us make a. Let us make a city and a tower, and let us. And, and what do they want to do? They want to make a name for themselves, right? Right? In other words, uh, uh, they don't want God to name them. Uh, they they want to claim authority over themselves. They want to make a name for themselves, and uh, and this is uh, this is. Uh, in the context of this passage, it is uh, an expression of rebellion toward the one true God, <clears throat> the one true God who had, had, had saved them through the flood. And so they're going to build this city, they're going build to this, build this tower. Now, uh, another interesting feature of that lesson is that God says, "Let us go down and con-, well, how does He put? The, Let us go down and confuse their languages, mm-hmm. right? And the question is, when God says, "Let us go down and confuse their languages," who is the us that He's referring to?
1: Mm-hmm. We know the Trinity.
0: It's, it's an intertrinitarian dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we see in Genesis chapter one when God says, "Let us make man in our image." And then Moses says, in the image of God, he made them. You know, there's uh, the word Elohim, the word for God in Hebrew, Elohim, uh, actually has a plural ending, which means always, it means uh, in plural in Hebrew, always refers to three or more. So even the name Elohim is is an expression of the Trinity. But here, uh, explicitly, God says, let us go down. And confuse their languages. And um, here again, what is at play? They want. Uh, they they are rejoicing in their oneness. And uh, 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 you know when <clears throat> this is essentially what happens when syncretism or the blending of faiths or the blending of beliefs is tried it's a it's a, an attempt at unity where no real unity exists and so uh uh god uh destroys that what they believe is their it, it unifies them uh their language and the fact that they're all you know from from one tribe uh he goes down and he confuses their language and he in, in that instance he divides the earth right um, in other words, he, he divides the people groups, and those. And, and we're going to see uh, what's really interesting is in the next lesson. Mm-hmm. We see the time that God chooses to bring them all back together. Okay, right. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we? Now, uh, by the way, and then uh, you know, there's uh, uh, a few thousand years of, of human history. Maybe four or five thousand that exist between these two periods of time that between the next lesson at Pentecost and this Old Testament lesson um, when all the earth is divided, we have people going throughout the filling the earth and multiplying and and going into all the parts of it, and they're all different people groups and they're all speaking these different languages and they're all divided and so when does God decide to unite people um Let's read that next lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat>
1: Second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together, they were all bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astounded, astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking? Galileans, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own na- native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretians. And Arabians, we hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked, saying, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, Shall be saved.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, just a little kind of a little background, folks, for this lesson. Uh, you have all these people coming from all over the world to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Now, uh, mostly, uh, probably overwhelmingly, the majority of those people who are coming to Jerusalem for that feast are Jews who are living in different parts of the world. <laughs> so it's very interesting. That there's this dispersion at Babylon, where God disperses the whole world and the confusion of languages, and everyone goes to the different parts of the world. And then um, in Israel's history, there is a dispersion of the Jews, who uh, take the revelation of the God of Israel, uh, Yahweh, and they they uh, they take His name into all these different parts of the world, and while they're there, they adopt uh, some of the customs of the people, uh, they adopt the language, especially, of the people of whose region they're living in, and they come back on the day of Pentecost, and on the day of Pentecost, God uh, sends his Holy Spirit uh, by the promise of Christ upon his disciples, and they begin to speak with these other tongues. And so the visitors from Jerusalem, as they pour out into the streets, and they begin to speak the praises of God in these languages that they have never spoken before. The hearers, the people who are listening to them, know those languages—Medes and Persians, and you know uh, 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 parts of Cyrene and and uh, Phrygia, and all the different uh, parts of the ancient world. People coming from Europe and people coming from Africa, and people coming from. Asia, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're hearing the disciples uh, speak in those tongues. Now, why, what is happening here? What the really interesting thing here is uh, uh, the juxtaposition of these two lessons. You have the Old Testament lesson where God, through languages, is dispersing the whole world, and you have in the New Testament, in in the, in the book of Acts here, you have God coming to all these different languages, and speaking uh, the praise of Christ, and telling what what He has, what God has done for us in Christ, and really. Uh, fulfilling what Jesus says in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, that is that all nations are to are to um, come together now uh, in whatever part of the world, whatever tribal group they belong to, whatever language they speak. they are now to come together in Christ because in Christ God has revealed, who he is, and and especially in Christ, God is saving all men, not just Jews, uh, but uh, uh, people from every tribe and people group. uh, You know, uh, most of us have uh, European ancestry. He was speaking to us there, too, and he was... Calling us to faith in Christ, and this last uh, this last line that Jesus, that uh, that Peter says uh, when he's um, uh, recounting the lesson from Joel uh, from from the prophet Joel is he says and it shall be whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and think about that again in in the context of that Old Testament lesson where they say in the Old Testament we will make a name for ourselves. And here in the New Testament, where uh, it is it is God's name that is exalted, and it is God's name uh, through whom people receive uh, salvation and life. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, also interesting, and this is something for Christians to remember, uh, especially those with a, a kind of an interest in, in the Pentecostal movement, uh, that what Peter does here next is he goes on to tell the story of Jesus. That is, he just goes on and tells the gospel. He tells about Jesus who went about doing good and healing people, uh, and that he was uh, taken by the elders and chief priests of the people and turned over to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, that he was uh, crucified and buried, but that God uh, uh, would not allow his his body to uh, to undergo decay. He would not abandon his uh, holy one, um, and on the third day that he he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, and so it's uh, G- Peter ends this sermon, and in the lesson we don't really get the end of the end of the sermon of Peter, but uh, uh, Peter ends the lesson uh, by saying, um, "Therefore, know for certain that God has made." Uh, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, the end of that lesson and, and what, what it really means, what Joel is really talking about when Joel says, uh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, what Joel, the prophet Joel, is really talking about is that whoever calls on Christ will be saved, and uh, now the people respond, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So here again, we go back to baptism. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here, here in the book of Acts, at Peter's sermon, he says, let each of you repent and be baptized. Everyone of you in the name of jesus christ in the name of jesus christ which really is the name of the father the son of the holy spirit mm-hmm. um, well, that was uh, kind of uh luke's kind of shorthand of uh, the formula for baptism he just says in the name of jesus uh, so in in the revelation of jesus and uh, uh who jesus has revealed himself to be and 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 uh and who he is for us uh the savior of all mankind um, well, folks, I don't think we're going to I don't I don't know if we're going to get to the gospel lesson today. You might just have to come to church on Sunday to hear the gospel lesson. Uh, our our divine service, by the way, uh, Gethsemane Divine Service is at 1030 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, we're at 219 East Church Street. We're right beside Rocky's bicycle shop, kind of a landmark in downtown Marion. Uh our services are at 1030. Uh also we have now another service on Saturday afternoon at 4:30 p.m. Uh so we actually have two services for you to come in uh, uh and hear the word and hear the gospel, uh, hear this uh, great story of the name of Jesus who saves us. Uh there's also something else we're doing. We just started it last week, so it's really wouldn't be too late for you to uh, to uh, uh, join. In. And if you're interested in uh, what Gethsemane teaches as a church, we have a, a class called the Christian Faith Class. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're doing that Saturday mornings at 11. It goes from about 11 to about twelve thirty. 30. Sometimes the, I get a little long-winded, and it might last till Quarter till 1 or 1 o'clock, but somewhere an hour and a half, two hours. And it's it's a presentation on the Christian faith where we go through all the parts of the Christian faith. We talk about uh, the Ten Commandments and uh, what they mean to us uh, and why God gives us the commandments. We talk about the Apostles' Creed and what God reveals about himself in Scripture, uh, that he's the creator, that he's the redeemer, that he uh, sanctifies and rescues us from death um we give instruction about the lord's prayer and prayer in general but uh, specifically about uh, this prayer that christ himself has taught us in the lord's prayer uh, we uh, also go through the doctrines of baptism but we talk about absolution and we talk about the lord's supper at this class and of course we'll do a lot of talking about uh, what it is lutherans believe that the Scriptures teach, and uh, how we practice our faith, for instance, in in divine service, uh, what we do as, as far as the liturgy. And so it's it's really an introduction to what uh, Lutheran Christians believe um, the Christian faith is. Mm-hmm. So that's again that's uh, Saturday at eleven a.m. And we invite you to join us for that. And we invite you to join us this Sunday uh, for the for the Feast of Pentecost. And uh, when, we, when we, again, come together, people of different backgrounds and uh, uh, you know, different experiences uh, and maybe even different languages, uh, we invite people of all, all, uh, all languages to come. But we come together and we hear, again, this great good news of the gospel that uh, all, although we are sinners and although we've deserved uh, nothing but death, Uh, nothing but punishment for our sin. God did not leave us there. God loves us. Mm -hmm. God has sent us a Savior in Jesus Christ uh, who by his life, death, and resurrection has rescued us from ourselves, has rescued us uh, from our sin, and has given us the promise of eternal life and uh, who loves us and is with us and comforts us in all our trials and afflictions and gives us hope. Uh, Anything to add to that, Ellen? No, did you mention the Saturday service? It's did I mention four thirty four thirty p.m. 430 right, PM. and that's that's at two nineteen East Church Street, folks. We in, invite you to come and and uh, be with us for that. Uh, other than that, uh, the uh, program, the Wittenberg Door, it, we have a Facebook group. Uh, so if you want to look us up on Facebook, if you want to submit a question for. Uh, a future broadcast, we'd be happy to uh, take your question and consider it. Um, and uh, the program itself on WWGH will be rebroadcast this Sunday morning at 9: 15 and uh, at 7:15 on Wednesday evening. so we invite you to uh, stay tuned to WWGH, the talking place. And uh, hear us and all the other great programs that, uh, that they offer. Mm-hmm. All right? Great. Very good. And uh, uh, other than that, we just uh, thank you for being with us. And we invite you to join us next time, live Friday morning on WWGH 107.1. Mm-hmm.